What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope you're all doing great out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. If you're out there listening on the podcast or you're here from TikTok, thank you guys very much for joining me today. What's up, Tilted Twister, Josh Sherrill, R. Kunkel, veteran influencers, Corporal Ika, Buford, Eviana, Sam, Harry Lime Pie. Let's see, hopefully I didn't miss anybody. Pro Hero, Eric S. We have got Alex in the house. What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great out there. I have... Uh, well, first of all, I hope you guys all had a great weekend. Tame, what's up? I hope everybody had a great weekend. I did. It was an awesome weekend. And I have some crazy stories. What's up, Justin? Crazy stories for you guys today. Uh, it's going to be a wild one. I hope you guys are ready for it. I've been excited all day, all weekend for today's episode. Also, shout out to uh, the United States of America for having daylight savings time, which we do not hear having Japan. We do not have that here in Japan as a fun fact. So right now, normally it's 10 a.m. when I do this show. It's 11 a.m. right now, so it's going to be lunchtime after this. So for all you guys out there, I want you to know I've been looking forward to this so much for half the year because it's much better for me to do this show at 11 in the morning my time, and it's still 1800 back in the United States because we don't do that daylight saving stuff over here in Okinawa in Japan. That's a very... Uh, United States thing to do. So I'm enjoying um, a little bit of a later start, more time in the gym in the morning, more time for show prep, more time to get work done, all that stuff. So just happy to be here with you guys, amped up for today's show. Got lots of crazy stories to go over and we're going to get right into it because time is a factor today. So go ahead, smash that like button, share the video. Let's get going. We've got stories out of the Marine Corps, the Army, the Navy SEALs are going to be in the show today. And just as a preface for this show, it's not looking great for the Marines right now. And we're going to talk all about it because right off the bat, the very first thing we got for you guys today is this new facts. Emerge in the claim that U.S. Marines surrendered to U.K. Royal Marines. We talked about this, but did this happen the way that they thought that it happened when this reporting started? Let's get into it. It says here from softrep.com, but there's tons of websites reporting on this stuff. The British media has been in a frenzy over the last couple of days. That by itself isn't necessarily news, but the British media also has a reputation of being kind of brutal or easy to wind up, softrep says even more so than the American media. Just ask Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, it says. So this story that's got the media in a tizzy, in a frenzy, they're spilling the tea, if you will, is about the fact that the Marines surrendered to this NATO force, asked for a redo, a reset, all this stuff. But is that what happened at all? So the exercise that was Green Dagger involved the military of several allied nations, the U.S., the U.K., Canada, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and the Netherlands, and several other countries, mostly British, picked up the story and ran with it. According to the reporting, and you guys know what it says, during the five-day exercise, the British Royal Marine Commandos dominated with their littoral response group, the LRG or whatever it was. It was reported that the U.S. Marines asked for a reset less than halfway through the exercise. Reset meaning the exercise was going so badly for the U.S. Marines, they asked to st they asked to start the exercise over again. Blimey, is that true? It says so. The Marine Corps is responding, and they are saying that uh, the coverage of this is way overblown. 
The majority of the early information shared in the media about Exercise Green Dagger primarily comes from the statement from the British MOD to the Telegraph, meaning most of the media outlets running the story are sharing the same information published by the Telegraph. They're mostly sharing the same details over and over. Very common. If you pay attention when you're reading the news, I would encourage you guys at the top of the article that you're reading, look and see if it says that the... Um, this article originally appeared on statement. If you see the this article originally appeared on, all you're reading is a copy and pasted article from another source. And so much of the time, that's what we're reading online. So the headline from the Telegraph said, Royal Marines force U.S. troops to surrender just days into a training exercise. The subheading says elite commandos outperform their U.S. counterparts when tri trialing a new battle structure in California. But the Marine Corps responds back. It says, based on just the headlines alone, then yes, it certainly sounds like it was a decisive battle. Words like surrender, victory, win, or reset, and decisive make it all sound pretty clear. The U.S. Marines said very little about the training exercise initially, initially, which good for them being a little bit quiet right off the right out of the gates and not jumping into the conversation, which of course led to speculation they were probably and understandably quite embarrassed about it. Insider also reached out to the USMC for comment. They did not receive a response by publication time for the article. However, the Marines did release a statement. So here we go. The Marines did release a statement on Thursday afternoon, November 4th. So after we did our show, after two days of hype by the British media, the response from the U.S. Marine Corps starts to tell a different story. The U.S. Marine Corps statement. As soft rep analyzed these stories and the situation surrounding the details of what British media were reporting, we had some questions. We reached out to the MAGTAF, the Marine Air Ground, oh, not the, not the MAGTAF, but the Marine Air Ground Combat Training Center at 20 nine palms where the MAGTAF was conducting their exercise, Green Dagger, and the response was this. From October 25th to 30th, 2021, U.S. Marines, along with units from the U.S. Armed Forces, Great Britain, Netherlands, Canada, and the United Arab Emirates, participated in Marine Air Ground Task Force Warfighting Exercises 1-TAC-2-2. The exercise was conducted in a free play environment designed to stress commanders, derive learning points, and allow participants to improve their ability to conduct offensive and defensive operations and adapt to changes on the battlefield. This is the official statement, just as a reminder. During this exercise, a U.S. Marine regiment augmented with subordinate units to form who formed subordinate units formed an adversary force to actively challenge and test a peer regiment of U.S. Marines. This training opportunity increased warfighting readiness and interoperability of the U.S. Marine Corps with multinational forces. Exercise scenarios are adjusted as needed to assist commanders in meeting training objectives. Winners are never determined. This exercise does not provide an opportunity to surrender, keep score, or reset. The objective of the exercise is to heighten unit performance and increase readiness. Now let me pause here for a second and interject. Last week when I was talking about this, I was describing the God gun phenomenon where the cadre have, you know, God-like powers. They can give you what, whatever you ask for, and they can take it away. With a snap of their fingers, you can lose half of your personnel. The outcomes of these exercises are often turned in the direction that the cadre and, and purpose of the exercise originally intended, because if you get too far out of the intent of the exercise, then you could ruin the entire training scenario. It's possible that the Marines had this great plan, which would have ultimately led to a decisive victory on their end. And then the training cadre go, no, 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 you can't do that. We know that that's really good and smart and it would be dope if you could do that. But unfortunately, uh, you know, 
You can't. We just took that away from you. So your comms are down now. Your satellite just went down. GPS is being jammed, spoofed, whatever. This God gun phenomenon can make training incredibly difficult. I feel like that's what they're alluding to here. The U.S. Marine Corps regularly conducts bilateral training with allied and partner nation military forces aboard the combat center. Such exercises allow our combined forces to become familiar with each other's tactics, procedures, and command structures, which increase our ability to operate effectively with each other in real world scenarios. We understand future conflict will require alignment with our allies and partners. It is important that we continue to train with them. So that's a very, uh, it's a very, um, it's a very official statement. It doesn't really say, it says a lot and doesn't really say anything. But at the end of the day, the question we really want to know is what happened with the surrender and reset thing here? And this article, it's from SoftRep, uh, goes right into it. The biggest and most controversial claims made by the British MOD, and I believe that that's probably their version of a PAO, and the British media that the U.S. Marines surrendered to the British Royal Marines and that the U.S. Marines asked to reset during the exercise are not accurate or true statements. As clarified in the USMC statement and in the email statement to SoftRep, winners are never determined. This exercise does not provide an opportunity to surrender, keep score, or reset. The objective of the exercise is to heighten unit performance and increase readiness. I asked Captain Colvin and Ms. Adams to further clarify that statement. I asked them if at any point did the blue team, U.S. Marines from 3rd Regiment, ever surrender or ask for a reset? The answer to that is no. So, that is now the official statement from the United States Marine Corps that they did not, did not surrender or ask for a reset. And that's the British troops and their media kind of flexing, um, you know, going clout chasing, if you will. So we, I guess, I imagine now that there's a conflict in the stories, there will be a response from the UK side of it too. I imagine, since now we have direct conflicting information, somebody will have to say something or not. Maybe they'll hope, with, hope that we uh, forget the whole entire thing, but we won't hear on the Scuttlebutt Show. I'll keep following up. But I guess as of right now, the Marine Corps clapped back and said, in fact, uh, none of that stuff ever happened. And those, those blokes were lying. So we'll see. We'll see. What do you guys think? Do you think it's more likely that the Marine Corps is covering their tracks or that that surrender never happened? You guys tell me in the comments. What's up, Scotty? What's up, MC? What's up, everybody who jumped into the show in between uh, point A and point B there when we started that story? Sam says, again, we train with them all of the time. Someone is going to lose either op force or allied NATO. That is how all of our battalion level plus events go. Our Marines typically op four. Yes. Gunny Highway never allowed his recon Marines to surrender while training against Marine infantry. Moonstruck, what's up? Welcome, Moonstruck. Either way, we don't want opposing force to win. Uh, Cadre or Wicked, Scotty says, I have never survived land warfare, ever. There we go. Regular training happens all the time. We do lose. We lost a company of Marines during Operation Bold Alligator 2017. No news media there. Yep, it all, all of that stuff happens all the time. You just never hear about it. I think what really got the news going was the UK got a whiff of something and they ran with it in their news in that one news story. And then everybody else just shared it. And I shared it too. I guess I'm guilty as well. That's what statements are for saying a lot and nothing. They mean we didn't surrender, but it seems like they were destroyed. Again, happens all the time in training. Yes. Thank you, Sam, for uh, Sam being a Marine uh, knows what he's talking about there. So, you know, We've got a guy in the chat. You guys see him all the time. His name's Justin. He was a, a helicopter rescue swimmer, air crew rescue swimmer in the United States Navy. 
People out there in those helos, that's why he's always commenting about how much he loves the MH60 aircraft. And this is, uh, this is why. Because these 60s are out there saving lives, taking names for you know the roster to make sure they know who they saved. And we've got a story right here that I think you guys are going to love. Definitely Justin is. So let's check this out right here. Army helicopters to rescue seven stranded at remote Alaska camp. So something good out of the Army here. Let's go check this out. We've got Juneau, Alaska. Alaska State, by the way, right around this time in Alaska, the weather's still fairly nice. It's not, you know, it gets cold, but it's not brutal winter up there, depending on where you're at. Alaska State Troopers said efforts continue to try to rescue seven people who have been stranded since last week at a cabin about 20 miles or 32 kilometers. If, that, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're here from the UK about the Marine Corps story, east of the Yukon River community of Emanok in western Alaska, Troopers said mechanical issues prevented a Coast Guard helicopter from launching Thursday and no private helicopters were available. Coast Guard out there doing major work to help people out. They have a base up there. They're doing rescue missions all the time. Troopers said two U.S. Army helicopters from Fort Wainwright were expected to travel to the area Thursday with plans to extract the group Friday morning. Troopers said they were notified the individuals were stuck at the campground around 5.15 p.m. last Friday and that a supply drop of food and needed medications was made on Sunday. You know, it's funny when you're out there and they're like, we can bring you food. And then you're like, can you just take us home? We would like to go home. And they're like, no, but we do have food. And so enjoy the food. How about blankets? Sorry, we only brought food. How about water? We, on, we only brought water. Sorry. I mean, we only brought food, guys. We only brought food. So please enjoy the food. It's MREs. It's the best we got. This is the, I mean, we took out the veggie omelets from the boxes, so enjoy. It's going to be fine. We'll be back next week. Trooper spokesperson Austin McDaniel earlier this week said the seven were on their way to pilot station from the Emanac area when they decided to stop at the cabin for the night on October 28th. While they were there overnight, the river iced over. The river iced over? That's like a I, maybe it is colder there than I thought. I was up in Alaska in that area around this time six years ago, and it was like cold, but not flash flood the river cold. So the ice on the river is too thick to run a boat, and it's not thick enough to run snow machine there, and there's no overland route to get to this spot. Wow. So sometimes it's better just to chug through and head home, I guess. Authorities had been pursuing the use of a helicopter to pick the individuals up. McDaniel said weather conditions between the area and some hub communities, however, had previously hampered efforts to deploy aircraft to get to that site. He said the group is adequately supplied with food, water, shelter and necessary supplies at this time. According to a statement from the troopers on Thursday, night, no injuries have been reported. So I got to the bottom of this story and I said, they're still missing or not missing, but they're, they're, I mean, they're missing from their families as far as they're concerned. They're out there in the middle of the woods. They're at this cabin. There's no conclusion to this story. But I would never leave you guys hanging like that. I looked it up, and it turns out Coast Guard helicopter rescues seven iced in at remote Alaska camp. They are okay. They've been rescued. So the Coast Guard did get back into the fight here. A U.S. Coast Guard helicopter late Thursday rescued the seven people from that cabin and got them back to safety. U.S. Army helicopters had been expected to extract the individuals Friday morning, but a Coast Guard helicopter was able, in fact, to make the trip from Nome after overcoming mechanical issues and getting a weather window, said Petty Officer Ali Blackburn. Safety, extracting the group as quickly as possible, was a top priority for all of the agencies involved in this operation. No injuries were reported at the time of the rescue, and the individuals were taken to Nome. 
So it worked out. They were able to get those people out of there. We can uh, we can rest a little easier knowing that the Army and the Coast Guard came together in someone's time of need up there in Alaska, where people are often in a time of need. Alaska is a place where people can find themselves in need of some help pretty quickly, and they were able to get together and get the job done. So bravo Zulu to them. Shout out to them. Proud of those guys up there putting in the good work rescuing people in Alaska. Good job. Sam I am says, or Justin says, get some Army, S-O-M-L. Uh, Pro Hero, our H-60s and the Coast Guard are the workhorses of the fleet legit aircraft. Yes, they are very much. Um, Sam says, bro, I can only imagine how tough you'd have to be to be an Alaskan state trooper. I don't know anything about them, but I can imagine their training is intense. Oh, for sure. Bricktown Media, what's up? Good Lord, depends on how fast and deep the river is, but still. I wonder how tough the average Alaskan state trooper is. Tough enough to fight a bear, I bet. Let's see. Moonstruck, pretty damn tough. I'm trained to be a uh, statey here in Massachusetts. We got to pump out 60 to 70 miles just for running per week. Doesn't include our strength training. That's pretty intense, Moonstruck. Wow. Thanks for coming to the chat and leaving uh, some great comments. Let's see. Fellow masshole here. Wonder what the PT requirements are for the Alaska State Troopers. Good question. Massachusetts in the house. Everybody repping what they mean. What does Z mean? What was the Z? I missed that. I missed that where the Z came from. Um curious now. So I had to give the army a shout out. I had to give them a Bravo Zulu because if I giveth a Bravo Zulu, I taketh away a Bravo Zulu. That's how we run. That's how we roll here on the Scuttlebutt Show. You guys know I do not take it easy ever, ever for the army. And I'm not about to right now either. Soldier training at Fort Gordon accused of distributing child porn. So it looks like Joshua Gamble here rolled the dice one too many times. An army soldier training at Fort Gordon has been indicted on one count of distribution of child pornography. Federal court records show Joshua Gamble, 29 years old. He looks older in the photo here, is accused of sharing child porn in August FBI agents arrested Gamble in October while investigating a chat application and its networks, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Georgia. So he was using some kind of computer, computerized digital messaging system. I don't know what these kids are into. And he was using it to distribute, you know, what do you guys call him in the chat? He's a kitty diddler or whatever. Yeah, not a good look for the army here. Anyone who would think to engage in activities that exploit children should be forewarned that our vigilant law enforcement partners are always watching. Acting U.S. Attorney David Estes said Friday in a statement, we will be unrelenting in pursuing those who would victimize the most vulnerable among us. If convicted, Gamble could face up to 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. Hey, if convicted, why not just give them both? Why not? That's an easy choice to me. Just give them both. That's too easy. In May, another uh, Gamble's indictment is not the first of its kind at Fort Gordon, home to the Army Cyber Center of Excellence. What in the world, you guys? At the Cyber Center of Excellence, it, it seems to be the Cyber Center of no goodness, if you ask me, if they're having multiple cases like this. In May, another soldier training at Fort at the Fort, Brian Stills, 26, admitted to possessing child porn. And in February, an Army major, once assigned to Army Cyber Command, Jason Michael Musgrove, 41, was sentenced to 30 years 
for the production of child porn. Identifying and removing child predators is an important part of keeping our community safe. Estes said in May, we applaud our law enforcement partners for their continued efforts to find those who prey on the most vulnerable members of our society. Yeah, keep doing it. Keep doing a good job because uh, that's not a good look. That is not a good look for an army. So Josh Gamble looking down the barrel of a long prison sentence for sure for distributing and possessing kid diddler stuff. And, uh, and you're not going to find a lot of sympathy here. If you're a child predator or you're a DUI driver person crashing, killing people, you're not going to find a lot of sympathy from me, as you guys probably know by this point in the, uh, in the chat there. So let's see. Let me catch up on what's going on here at the chat. You said Bravo Zulu with us. Does Zulu stand for? Oh, you know what? That's a great question. I actually, I've looked this up before, but off the top of my head, I don't remember what the Zulu stands for in Bravo Zulu. Let me see if it's in my blue jacket. I always keep... I always keep my Blue Jackets manual on me right here. So let me see if a link in the description down below, by the way, guys. And let me see if there's a Bravo Zulu definition in the Blue Jackets manual. There's not. There is no Bravo Zulu definition in the Blue Jackets manual. So I, like I said, I've looked this up before, but let me look it up really quick. I'm looking up uh, in the good book of Google. Let's see. It means, well, it means well done. I think we all know that. This is a naval signal conveyed by flag hoist or voice. Oh, it's the Bravo Zulu flag. Bravo. It's the Bravo and Zulu flags, and it represents well done. God, it's a signal. I, I've, I've read that before. I've read that before. So the Bravo Zulu is a flag signal. That's how ships communicate from one ship to the other, hoisting the flags. How do I do it? I don't have any flags in my hands. Hoisting the flags for the alphabet there and the different meanings of the combination. So Bravo Zulu means well done. So that is it. Now you guys learned that in the Scuttlebutt Show today. Make sure you like this video and share it and become a member of the channel so you can keep getting great information like that. Right below this video, you can click that join button and become a member. You can head over to Patreon and become a patron. You can shop at scuttlebuttshow.com and get cool shirts like this Midrat shirt. And then you can be a true Scuttlebutt team member out here, guys. So we have, like I said, a bunch of stories today. No shortage no shortage of stories today. We have a lot to get to, so we have to keep moving. You guys are going to like these two. I, I don't make it a secret that when there's an opportunity to talk about Okinawa, my current residence, I lean right into it and I talk about it. So let's get into this next story. U.S. Marines swept out by current while snorkeling off of Okinawa, rescued by the Japanese Coast Guard. So the Japanese military saving our butts out there in the ocean. A group of Japanese campers witnessed the incident and phoned for help, it says. Three U.S. Marines were rescued by the Japan Coast Guard last Saturday, two hours after they were swept out to sea while snorkeling. This gives me chills because it is very scary to be in a rip current. I almost drowned out here in Okinawa once in a rip current. I've told you guys about that. Um, it can happen really fast, and then you, you're, you stand no chance. You have no chance unless you can swim away from it parallel to the shore. So a group of Marines was swimming off of Soso Beach uh, in Okinawa in the afternoon when a likely rip current pulled three of them away from the shore, a Naka Gusuku Coast Guard office spokesperson told Stars and Stripes on Thursday. I am so glad they didn't lose their lives, another spokesperson said. 
It is always good to check the weather and terrain before going out and be careful of rip currents. Moreover, never go near water alone. And thank goodness that they weren't alone because if they were and they got swept out, they would probably have never been found. Two hours out at sea. That's got to be the scariest two hours of their lives, just floating, lost, and drifting further and further away from help, hoping by a miracle that somebody will come find you. There's an app that we use out here. It's called Windy. Windy is a good app for checking weather and currents and winds. And if you're not if if you're not familiar with the ocean and how to read weather and currents and all that stuff, and you're going to a new place that you've never been to before, please, guys, be careful. Please let somebody know where you're going. Maybe you have somebody that stays on shore as a safety observer. Make sure you have a, some kind of flotation out there in the ocean, some kind of signal, a whistle or something. Because once you're in the water, it's already too late if you get caught in a rip current. After two of the Marines came ashore, they realized their buddies had been taken out by the current. A group of Japanese campers also witnessed the incident and phoned for help when they saw the struggling service members signaling to them. The Marines were rescued by the Coast Guard via an MH-977 Augusta Westland helicopter and eventually taken back to their base, which we're seeing a photo of right here. Their conditions were not immediately reported. The incident comes a year after another Marine saved a Japanese woman who was caught in a rip current in Okinawa, so... You know, you give and you take. I don't see anything too extraordinary out of it. I was just glad I was physically capable at that time to assist her, Marine Staff Sergeant. This is from when the Marine rescued the female. Sergeant Billy Dixon said after he recognized and received a medal for the rescue. And we, we did talk about that when it happened too. So thank you to the Japanese Coast Guard out here in Okinawa. There are so many aircraft, Ospreys, Helos. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you probably see me posting photos and videos of that stuff sometimes that can go out and respond to something like this. There's even the Jolly Rogers, the, the Air Force uh, PJs out here who can go respond to rescues. But when time is a factor and people need to be on station fast, we've got the Japanese Coast Guard out here doing their thing. So thank you to the Japanese Coast Guard. You are super legit. Dropping the super legit from the ceiling there. Yeah, that's scary stuff. That is really scary. If you guys have ever been caught in a rip current, leave it in the comments. I'm curious. It is frightening. I have PTSD from that. I seriously never look at the ocean the same way again after uh, almost drowning. It's very, very frightening. Um, I think what really got me was how quickly you find yourself going, I'm that person now. I'm that person that's it. I didn't ever think I would be. I'm a good swimmer. I'm competent in the water. I love being in the ocean. And all of a sudden, here I am. I'm that person and struggling. That's crazy. Um, my best friend who was a sergeant in the army had a cousin who was a serial killer that targeted pedos. His cousin is in jail. Damn, Buford, that's wild. At least he uh, believed he had, uh, he probably believed he was doing the right thing though, I bet. Some Dexter stuff right there. Uh, let's see, let's see. WTF. Oh, okay. He's okay. Good. Jesus 100. I had, two, I had two friends back while swimming a few years ago. I had two to a friend back while swimming a few years ago. It was not easy. Um, Bricktown, I'm not sure what you said in the last comment, but I'm sorry to hear that. It sounds like something bad happened there. Two hours. Good thing to pass. Swim qual, Sam says. Eric with a meme of a uh, emoji of a shark. Yeah, very scary. There are sharks out here in Okinawa. There are um, poisonous fish and stuff like that. So it's good. Sam says, oh, yeah, we still use Windy. It is crazy to see how often hurricanes occur through, uh, throughout the planet. You can see it all on Windy. Yep, Windy's pretty good. Plot twist, they stayed afloat using their blow-up dolls. <laughs> uh, Windy is free, uh, but there's a paid version. Let's see. We have, uh, oh, my gosh, we have so much to get to still. Oh, my gosh, you guys. 
We have the big stories coming up. We have the big stories coming up. We got a few more to get through before we get there. And like I said, it's Monday out here in Okinawa, so it's going to be heavy. Moonstruck says, so I got a question for you, the owner of this channel. Sorry, not sure your name. My name is Max. Sorry, should introduce myself probably on every episode. Came across your channel because I saw you were a SEAL. Do you know of any SEALs trained in Boston ever? I, I'm not a SEAL. Uh, I'm curious now. I was never a Navy SEAL. That's not what I did. Um, I'm curious how you uh, how you came to that conclusion. I don't believe I've ever said that on the show. So uh, how did you how did you come to the determination that you thought that I was a SEAL? I'm not. I I did serve in Naval Special Warfare as what's called a tech. I was a drone pilot. I deployed with SEALs and Green Berets. Um, I've made videos talking about that stuff. So curious how you got to that conclusion. I hope nobody out there. Uh, has that misunderstanding of me. I'm certainly not trying to propagate that. My friend died in a rip current and he only had two months left until he EAS. He survived the Battle of Fallujah only to die on his day off. RIP Bullen. Mudrock, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that too. And it happens out here in Okinawa and you hear about it all the time. People, uh, people jump into the water, not understand the dangers of the ocean or, or, they do, and they just um, they just go out there and find themselves in an unexpected situation, like what happened to me that one time, and thinking you'll be okay, and then you're not. The ocean's very dangerous. It'll uh, get you quick. Let's see. Only because I came across someone at a bar last week who was bragging about being one. Curious, Moonstruck, whenever somebody's bragging to strangers at a bar about being special forces, you always got to wonder, is that true? Are they really? Um, Don Shipley about to call out Max. That's pretty funny. Uh, Junior Dell, what's up? Welcome to the chat, SEAL hairdo. It might be my haircut. That's true. I think you believe you were a SEAL because of your rock star hair. Mm. If someone's bragging about being a SEAL, they aren't a SEAL. The hair is stolen, Valor. <laughs> uh, I think it must have been a video of you discussing something. That's my bad. Still wondering why someone would be here in Boston to work for work as a SEAL. There's no Navy bases here in Massachusetts. Um, you know, peep, the Navy, the military trains everywhere. Um, but I will echo what Buford says. If you were out at a bar and somebody was just bragging about being a SEAL to random people, I would, I would, uh, I'd be, I, I don't just randomly call people out for stolen valor or whatever, but I, it would strike some, uh, it would strike some red flags for me. It would make my spidey senses go up about if that person's being legit, because it's pretty uncommon for two things. Okay. Two things. It's extremely uncommon for a seal to be out at a bar by themselves and, you know, talking about being a seal. That's pretty uncommon from my experience. And normally, and then if guys are there for training, there would be a group. There would be like a group of them if they were there for training. Um, and there's of course a million caveats to that, but generally speaking, it was legit. Moonstruck says, how do you know it was legit out of curiosity? Is there a list of common fake seal red flags out there? Thanks for a warm welcome. Is that a Chicago accent? I'm from New York. Um, I'm from Poughkeepsie, New York. Sam, is, that, is there a list of common red fla seal flags out there? Uh, so I don't know, and I don't want to go too into this rabbit hole right now, but oh, it was a group. Oh, it was a group. That makes more sense. Well, there's a lot of reasons why they might be out there training. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so yeah, people go different places to do different things. It's possible. Um, what was I saying? I was saying something, oh, common fake seal red flags. I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea out here because, you know, every situation is unique. But one thing is if people are 
going out of their way to point out to random people that they were special forces or whatever at a bar, especially, and then getting free drinks and stuff. I'd always go, mm, seems a little sus, but, uh, we've had so many stories of stolen valor on this show right here. And you guys can go watch Don Shipley and see all his, and you know, kind of the more, um, braggadocious people are, the less it's probably true because the reality makes a lot more sense when people start talking about it. It's, you know, just very fact of the matterly. If people are like, oh, it was so top secret, I can't ever tell you what I did, they're probably making it up. Kind of like my insane veteran character. Have you guys have seen those videos? Uh, it's me trying to be like the most stolen valor that I can possibly be. All right, we have to move on to the next story. Um, we have to move on to the next story if we're going to get through the show today on time. And this one is, we'll have fun with this one. It's not a good story, but we'll have fun. Ex-veterans hospital worker admits stealing $10 million in HIV meds. Jeez, oh my God. A former pharmacy technician has admitted her role in the theft of roughly $10 million worth of prescription HIV medication from a Veterans Affairs hospital in northern New Jersey, according to federal prosecutors. You know who probably missed that medication? Veterans with HIV, if I had to guess. Lisa Hoffman, 49 years old of Orange, pled guilty Wednesday to theft of government property. She faces up to 10 years in prison when she's sentenced March 9th. It should be one year for every pill. How, how is a million dollars only worth one year in prison? It should be, there should be a dollar value for, for something like that. Um, 10 million, how long would it take me to earn $10 million? Like my entire life times five. So let's go with uh, five of my lifetimes in prison for her. Hoffman worked in the hospital in East Orange, where she was responsible for ordering drugs and supplies for the site's outpatient pharmacy and maintaining its inventory from October 2015 through November 2019. Prosecutors said Hoffman used her position to steal prescription HIV medication from the hospital. That's why this stuff's so expensive. She placed large orders for the medication purportedly on behalf of the hospital and then stole it after it was delivered. Good job, genius. You don't think you're ever going to get caught doing that? Hospital surveillance footage captured Hoffman regularly taking dozens of bottles of HIV medication from the pharmacy shelves and eventually putting them in her bag, then leave the hospital with the stolen medication. What an idiot. Hoffman would routinely meet with, the, with her conspirator, co-conspirator, and sell him the stolen medications for cash. The conspirator would then sell the medication to other people. I'm torn. You know, now that I think about it, now that I think about it, $10 million worth of, first, first of all, first of all, it's a little insane that there's such a thing as $10 million worth of medication. Just think about that. How many pills could it have been? Thousands? It better be millions. And I know she didn't take millions, right? So we, we all remember when Pharma Bro or whatever his name was, uh, jacked prices up on HIV medication from like a dollar a pill to a hundred dollars a pill. And there was this outrage over the price of medication. And I think it's a rightful outrage and people should be annoyed at the fact that they can't afford life-saving medication that exists and they have health insurance and all this stuff. So now that I think about this, the first thing I think is it's upsetting to me that there's such a thing as $10 million worth of medication. The second thing is Stealing HIV medication and putting it out onto the street for it then to be sold. This isn't, this isn't narcs. This isn't opiates. This is HIV medication. So were HIV 
patients, HIV positive patients buying this medication off the street, stolen from the VA so that they can afford it, so that they can live. I'm having a crisis. I'm having a, a, a internal crisis right now because I feel like the answer to this story as to whether or not I, I actually mean what I said about giving her five life sentences, I need more information to answer that question. Requires more information to answer, okay? If it's the case that this person was ordering medication from the hospital to then steal it, to then sell it on the street to sick people who needed help, that's a Robin Hood story. That's a, that's a straight up Robin Hood story. Now she is stealing from the VA, straight up. The VA does pay for that first. So in that case, in that case, she is stealing from veterans. And I don't like that. I do not like that. But we don't know who's getting that medication. The people getting the medication could be veterans. We don't know. Golly, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I, I've got, I, I very much have two, two conflicting thoughts in my head here. Stealing from the VA is bad. Uh, stealing medicine for sick people is bad, but for a good reason. I'll admit that. And then it's upsetting to me, most of all, out of everything that I've heard here, that there's such a thing as $10 million worth of medication that people need to live. Like that boggles my mind, that this person could, could get their hands on $10 million worth of medication. That has to mean that the price per pill is crazy, which then, and I'll extrapolate this even further, means that the VA is paying a huge cost per pill. And that means that our veteran healthcare system is getting ripped off by pharma too. There just can't be an amount of pills that a person can get in their possession that are worth $10 million and these pills are reasonably, reasonably priced. I mean, what's an oxycodone cost? Like a penny? A, a strong-ass oxy is like a penny or something like that? Probably super cheap. They sling those out four or 500 at a time. They don't even blink. And then this person gets $10 million worth of HIV medication in their, in their possession. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'd love to hear what you guys think in the comments. That's a lot of money. Iron Lotus says, are you going to stream Battlefield? I just installed Vanguard, so we'll start streaming games again tomorrow. That's what I'm saying. If they are Robin Hood in this stuff, I'm right there with you, Max, in that crisis. This is a gray zone. This is a Robin Hood story. But she did steal. And from people who served our country, I'm disgusted still. MC says, it's this is a tough one. The VA pays for it. We pay for it, right? Yeah, very true. Robin Hood stole from the rich and gave to the poor. Keyword gave, not sold. Scotty, that's a great point. Scotty makes a great point. They did sell it on the street for profit. So that's a great point. Very interesting point. I didn't even consider that. They took that money and then sold it again. As a veteran, I condone it coming from the VA. Justin says, yeah, this is a tough one. I could see how this would divide us here with some different thoughts. If nothing else, this should motivate some folks to start really becoming a thorn in some sides, start flipping some tables. The money lenders are out of control and dirtying up everything. Only if she was stealing from the drug company. Only good if she was stealing from the drug company. 
It's tough. VA needs help. In my experience, going to the VA is like walking through a mall in the late 80s. I hope you're able to finish the course before the pain gets really bad. Uh, I missed what we were talking about there. No reason for the medical industrial complex to be as out of hand as it is. It's crazy. It is crazy. I don't think there's any reason why people with health insurance who pay for it and have paid for it their whole lives should ever be denied treatment if they're sick. That is some sad stuff right there. All right, guys, interesting update here. And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. I'm just going to really quick cover this, okay? I don't have a lot of time left. Special Forces Sergeant Major fired gun during domestic assault, prosecutors say, and he's facing some harsh penalties here. A Special Forces Sergeant Major faces a general court martial in March on several UCMJ charges stemming from a series of alleged domestic assaults in 2019. We talked about this before. Major, uh, Sergeant Major Travis Alfred is a senior NCO assigned to 1st Special Forces Command. The, that's in Fort Bragg, which is overseeing the trial, provided a heavily redacted copy of his charge sheet. He's facing a court martial for a number of charges centered on alleged domestic violence and threatening his spouse. Uh, Lessard said in a statement accompanying the document, we take all allegations of domestic violence seriously, but we also want to make clear that this service member is innocent until proven guilty. According to the charge sheet, Alfred assaulted an unnamed family member on three separate occasions in late 2019. I believe this is the one that we talked about where he was outside kicking his wife in the stomach while she was on the ground. Um, Alfred struck the family member on their shoulder with a broom during the first reported assault, which the charge sheet alleged occurred in September 2019, and alleged that he strangled and threatened to kill the family member during the attack. Then on November 11, 2019, Alfred pushed the family member on their head and held their arms with his knees and again threatened to kill them. During a third assault on November 20th, 2019, Alfred choked the family member, threatened to kill them, pointed a loaded gun at them, and fired it, and in quotes here, under circumstances such as to endanger human life, the charge sheet stated. Wow. It's not clear why the alleged incidents which occurred off post in Cameron, North Carolina, are being prosecuted via court martial rather than in the civilian justice system. Alfred, who was once a member of the Army Special Operations Command. So the only re the only thing that I can come up with here is that this was uh, not the victim did not press charges. That's the only thing I can come up with. The only thing that makes any sense to me as to why this would not be a civilian prosecution is that the victim didn't press charges. But of course, with the UCMJ, the military can do whatever they want. If there's reason to believe that this happened, they can do an investigation into domestic violence. And they say the articles here, Article 115, Article 128, and Article 128B, domestic violence. And the alleged firearm discharge resulted in Article 114 charge. And they, they can also get you for anything that you want, that they want. Uh, Alfred's court martial is tentatively scheduled for March 2022. So the only reason that I can think of that this wasn't prosecuted in the civilian court is that they the the victims did not press charges for whatever reason, fear of reprisal. I really love him, whatever it is. Um, but this guy, from all these stories that we've covered about, it sounds like, you know, I don't want to call him a total POS, uh, although this is a POS thing to do. This guy being a sergeant major in special forces could potentially have had a tremendously tough career in the military, um, full of trauma and all that. And so I have some, you know, small piece of me that's sympathetic to this and wants to know more information before I cast a, a total um, disavowment of them. But it's really bad. It's obviously really bad. And it's always, I'm always a little less, not less judgy, but less condemning, I guess, of domestic violence 
And not that that's not horrible, but these are, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole. These are private matter. This is not the, you know, it's hard to know the whole story with domestic issues. And why is this person, why are these people still together? Sometimes people like this in, in, in domestically traumatic relationships kind of feed off. They're kind of both parasitic people. I, I, I realize how bad this must sound, but I'm just saying I'm trying to be open-minded to this person before I throw them completely under the bus and say, you know, I hope they get a life, life in prison or whatever, because sometimes people get together and they just love misery. Sometimes as they say, misery loves company and, uh, and people just bring it upon themselves and they do this for years or decades or lifetimes, uh, together of just being in these hard relationships and they kind of love it. I think secretly some people kind of love it. Um, and that's the only reason that I hesitate to, uh, just write this person off completely. But the description here of what he's done is horrible. It is horrible. Uh, it's inexcusable to beat up on somebody who you are clearly in a power position over. Um, but also that's in their marriage, in their house. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Let's see. Kicking the wife while she's down. What a POS. Very anti-liberate the oppressed. <laughs> yes, very true, Sam. Very, very anti-liberate the oppressed. Um, let's see. Good night, Moon. Wouldn't want to be a subordinate. I don't know if it's my service or if YouTube didn't like the last comment from Matt. Yeah, maybe. For civilian law enforcement, arrest is mandatory in domestic violence cases. It didn't happen in military housing. No, it said it happened out in town. I just don't understand it. I've had a friend that was a victim of domestic violence. Horrible to witness. What's up, ancient... Uh, uh, Neophyte, welcome to the chat. No longer buffer on my end. Well, you have to, I guess you'll have to go back and recheck those comments. All right, guys, this next story, I got to get right into it. I got to keep moving because we're already, I think we're going to go over time already. Marines will overhaul recruiting and retention and shift away from a young replaceable force, General says. They said they're going to start treating people like humans and they straight up dissed the entire Marine Corps. Let's get into it. We've got uh, the Marine Corps released, this is not a good day to be a Marine. The Marine Corps released a new plan Wednesday that says it must overall how it recruits and retains Marines, suggesting for the first time in decades that threats posed by China and other adversaries require personnel changes that could require some shrinking of the service to accommodate a new emphasis on keeping trained personnel. And you guys can find this for yourselves. I have it over here. Um, it is the Talent Management 2030 and I'll drop it in the comments, but also you can just Google Talent Management 2030 and you guys can go read this for yourselves. If you're somebody, and I will tell you this right away, if you are somebody who's like, this looks like I hate wokeness, I hate social justice, all that stuff, don't read this, your head will explode. This is absolutely goes into the direction of, you know, the white rage, all that stuff that we had with General Milley, all that stuff. It comes out here too, okay? General Berger, the Marine Corps Commandant, is kind of going all in on this stuff too. So if that stuff upsets you, trigger warning. General David Berger said he sees no alternative but to pivot away from a system that through multiple wars has prioritized massing a young, physically tough, replaceable force that was not all that highly skilled for the past 35 years. Now, I read that and I thought, Jesus, how would you like to be a Marine right now? And the Commandant of the Marine Corps just described you as not all that highly skilled. Oh my God. 
How could those words, and then put the time frame of the past 35 years, ever leave the mouth of the Commandant of the Marine Corps? What a dumb thing to say. What a stupid freaking thing to say. Seriously. Oh my God. What a horrible, terrible, stupid thing to say. I felt it. I was in the Navy and I, it hurt my feelings. For the past 35 years, Berger said, the service had tur- has turned over about 75% of its force each year, rotating annually through thousands of young enlisted Marines who joined for four years, while other services retain a higher percentage of troops. Berger said, he says, we are the anomaly and we brag about it. And I think it's worked for us. Berger says it will not work for us going forward. I don't think we're, uh, Berger said the Marine Corps is going to treat people like human beings instead of inventory, making it appealing for more who already have experience to say, uh, to stay uh, who already have experience to stay. They want to retain experienced people. I just have to say, this is one of the most tone deaf statements I've ever heard. I don't know too many people walking around who are like, man, I'm really ashamed of being a Marine. I really feel like I'm not tough. I really feel like I'm not prepared for anything. Uh, Not a common thing that you hear. Oh my God. This is one of the dumbest things. And I I read the talent, uh, Talent Management 2030 paper here, or I've I've started to read it. I've read a good amount of it. I've not read every word, full disclosure. And it gets worse than this. The plan titled Talent Management 2030 amounts to a significant cultural shakeup for a service that once told Americans in recruiting advertisements that they were looking for a few good men and wouldn't promise you a rose garden. Uh, That's the stuff that people loved. It also calls for the service to promote equity and diversity among Marines, Big into the equity stuff. If you guys go read this, it's big into the equity stuff. Trigger warning. I know some people really don't like that. Create lateral ways for people with coveted skills to join the service without starting at bottom ranks and reduce requirements for personnel to move as frequently. Oh my goodness gracious. Additionally, the Corps plans to seek authorization next year to increase the duration of parental leave and other accommodating things that they go into in there. Mudrock in the chat says, Operation Phantom Fury was 17 years ago. I guess we were an untrained force, according to him. Exactly. What a statement to make. What a dumb, stupid, no good statement to make. Berger left open the possibility that the service could shrink to accommodate the shift to a more seasoned force that makes more money. The, uh, that's what he means. Is that's what he wants to recruit and retain people who make more money, making more money by staying in. The plan is not meant to create a kinder and softer Marine Corps, he said, but to focus on quality over quantity and make it appealing for good Marines to stay in uniform. We're in a market for talent, he said. Jesus. Oh my God. I can't even, I can't even read this. I read this earlier and I knew this would be tough to read out loud. And it is. So the Marine that we train for four or 10 years, we need to work hard to keep. And if the reason that they're leaving is they can't see past either, I can have a military career or I can have a family. We have to pull out the stops to find ways where we can keep them. The service has about 180,000 Marines on active duty in a complimentary plan called force design 2030, which I have that paper Uh, or the stuff about that kind of up here, statement from General Berger to the House Appropriations Committee. 
announced last year, and I read through that one too, and it's even worse than the talent management one. The service has about 180,000 Marines. They want to cut to 174 by 2030. At the height of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the Marines had 202,000 on active duty. Berger said the service has not figured out how much the new plan will cost. Our premise is we can't afford not to do this. I don't know how the balance, I don't have the balance sheet yet. Holy crap. I can't believe the Marine Commandant. Days away from the Marine Corps birthday, described the past 35 years of the Marine Corps as untalented, untrained, and replaceable. In what universe? Which one of the multiverses am I in right now where that's a thing? What a disgrace. It really bums me out big time. Bums me out big time to read that. And I it probably does to you guys too. And I'm sorry. For all the Marines out there, I'm sorry you had to hear that from the uh, big boss of the Marine Corps. And if you don't like that, don't read that link I posted or do. I don't know. I think knowing all the facts, reading it for yourself is important. I think people should see it. It's uh, You should know that way when you hear it on the news and you hear them talking about it on the news, you, you read it for yourself and you can go, that's not what they said or they left this part out or whatever. That's why I always try to read things for myself. <sighs> not good. Not a Bravo Zulu to the Commandant of Marine Corps. Hey, uh, hey, Commandant, do you think that it's possible that you could, uh, you know, say something nice about the Marines before the Marine Corps birthday? No. No, I don't think I will. Uh... I, I, I agree. I, that's, it does sound exactly like uh, your position on this, your official position on this. So I won't, uh, I won't expect anything else of you. I guess I won't expect anything else since you've proven uh, your position on this entire thing. We now don't have to wonder. We now don't have to be curious. That's a uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Let's see. That sure sucked the joy from the room, our uncle says. We're going to get back to it. Anti-Semper, Sam I.M. says, sounds like the length of his tenure. In his defense, he does have the com combat and diver badge and gold wings. Um, one more story, guys. One, I'm, I'm going to use that Captain America one a lot. You can be expecting to see. It's kind of the perfect thing. I've kind of realized that that Captain America scene is the perfect moment for, uh, for so many of these stories. So I'll probably be using that a lot. We've got one more story here today that we're going to cruise through and we're going to check out a new movie coming out. It's been too long since there's been a good Navy SEAL movie, am I right? Navy SEALs battle terrorists at a black site prison in one shot. This is what the world needs right now, a Navy SEAL movie. In the military thriller One Shot, a CIA analyst is accompanied by a Navy SEAL unit as she visits an island black site prison to retrieve a detainee who has the information. He's got the info. The only info, and uh, they can't email it or anything, that can prevent a terrorist attack on Washington, D.C. before time runs out. Director James Nunn ratchets up the tension by having the movie unfold in real time with one continuous shot. And this is where it gets interesting to me. Uh, it's They're going for the oneer. The movie's called One Shot, and it's made to be, appear to be one shot real time. You know, like 1917, the movie 1917, while it wasn't real time, it was supposed to be like one shot, like the camera never cuts. Very clever filmmaking. 
And it opens in theaters and will be available on demand starting November 5th. So I'm going to, now that I know that it's out, I'm going to get my hands on it and watch it so I can do a full review for you guys. But we're going to watch the trailer right now and you can expect my reaction and my review coming out soon. So let's check out before we leave today, before we call it a night, this is the pr official preview for the film One Shot. And sir arrived 10 days ago. We the only ones out here? Just us and our guests. A cell in Europe has been trying to build a dirty bomb. We traced it to DC. The detainees that come here do not depart until we've properly vetted. Are you a mean man? Sir? They're doing all the detainee. That's been a terrible mistake. It's like Guantanamo. These guys hurts the homeland. It's all over CNN. There's our seal. You can tell. Something's not right. Because he is. On me. Bomb is we can radio it in. I am not a terrorist, please. Stay here, we're gonna be overrun. Come here, young one. This is not going crazy. Run low on ammo. I know. I need him to get ammo. If they want it, let them have it. One team, one mission, one shot. Oh yeah, count on it, count on it. We're gonna be watching that for sure. That's gonna be uh, the next up in my queue on whatever streaming service I need to find that on to get you guys a review of it. Hopefully by the end of the, by the next time that we have a show, hopefully I'll have a review of that movie out for you guys and it'll be uh, pretty sick to cover that one. I'm super duper looking forward to it. Oh, that's going to be good. I've missed Ryan Phillippe. Oh, man, it's been a minute. We haven't had Ryan Phillippe in the news in a while. Let's see what he can do. Let's. I, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Good works. What's up in the chat? Nice to have you here. Uh, let's see. Steven Seagal. Oh, if Steven Seagal was in this, it would be the one thing that makes it better. I like those one-shot films. 1917 was great. Why are these dudes always in plate carriers with no plates? Scotty, because they're SEALs. They don't need plates. They have built-in body armor with all their muscles. Uh, is this is that blissed John Krasinski? <laughs> Man, I love the effects. It's hard, Scotty. The uh, sound effects kind of cheesy. The sound effect. Was that the, uh, the trailer sound effect? Well, more wannabe seals and bars. Yep, I think it's on YouTube. Let me check. The whole movie. It's probably, the whole movie's probably on YouTube. All right, guys. With all that being said, it's going to bring us to the end of the show. If you're new here, thanks for joining me today. It's been great to have you. If you're listening on the podcast, as always, check the links in the description. Get to check out scuttlebuttshow.com. Tons of new merch on there. It's been selling like crazy, so get it before it sells out. I mean, literally, items are going out of stock, different colors, different sizes. So please go over to scuttlebuttshow.com and check out all the new merch over there. It's awesome. Uh, this Wednesday, your time, 
I'm going to take the day off because that's Veterans Day. I'm going to spend it with my wife. So no show on Wednesday, but on Thursday, we have Rob Sweetman coming on with and a couple other veterans for a special Veterans Day episode. It's going to be great. So I'll see you guys for an episode on Veterans Day. If you choose to join me that day, if not, you can catch it on the replay. Maybe I'll leave that one up throughout the weekend so you guys can check that out. With all that being said, thanks for joining me today. That's it for now. I look forward to talking to you guys tomorrow. Same scuttlebutt time, same scuttlebutt place. And until then, for now, that's the scuttlebutt.